Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Jen Giffen from Shooks and Gift, the podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 116 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we are talking all about engaging students and families during remote learning. What are some of those ways that we can stay connected, that we can stay social, that we can kind of like see each other and feel like we're still together with each other in some different ways? We've got Google news and updates. We've got some good stuff that you all have sent along to us. And of course, we've got some blog posts to share. This should be a good episode. So Casey, you ready to get started? Let's do it. Let's jump into Google news and updates. So Google has been constantly pushing out updates during this quarantine time, and today is no different. So we we are going to catch you up on some important updates that Google has announced. The first one comes to us from the G Suite Updates blog, and it's all about Google Sites. And there are actually some really cool features that they have added to Google Sites. We now have the ability to use templates, hooray, announcement banners, and access for children with Google accounts. So obviously they have seen a need for this during this time. What's changing? You're going to be able to quickly and easily create high quality sites optimized for common users by using those templates. And if you look at what they have listed here for the templates, there are going to be templates for class or team sites. I have not seen this yet, but I'm excited to play with it. In fact, I think by the time everyone listens to this, you're going to have this option. Um, They also have templates for help centers, which may come in handy right now. Everyone is trying to build (laughs) some kind of one-stop shop for your school or your campus to find help for parents and teachers and students. Those project sites for our students that they can create those. And I know a lot of people who do really great things with creating project sites and doing PBL and using Google sites to support that club sites enable students to continue those club activities during remote learning as well as small business sites. So there there will be a template for small businesses as well, not just about education y'all apparently the rest of the world exists too. So, Um, (laughs) but the banners also looks really cool 
Uh, for instance, in the little animation, they show how to add the banner. And you can add that, hey, here's our COVID-19 update that we're seeing across lots of websites right now. Or, you know, here's the latest news, whatever you need to announce that you want in that little strip at the very top of your site, you can now post to that very easily as an announcement banner inside Google Sites. And the last part is about access for accounts managed with Family Link. I haven't used this, but users who have personal Google accounts managed with Family Link so that you can assist your family members. And I think this is, has to do with sharing accounts as well. Um, they have not been able to view or edit sites with those accounts. So that is now going to change and they will be able to view those public sites with those accounts and edit if something has been shared with them. It also says, while personal Google accounts managed by FamilyLink can now access sites, students with G Suite for Education accounts should continue to use their school accounts to log in and complete schoolwork in sites and other G Suite services. So something we may need to pass along to parents to make sure that the kids are still using the appropriate account while they are at home. So I'm excited. It looks like these updates, like I said, should be out by the time you hear this podcast. So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to play with this. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that templates feature. Oh my goodness. I mean, people have been talking about trying to get those Google Sites templates for the longest time and having that available is going to be really, really nice. There's another change coming that you should be able to see all the way across Drive, Docs, Sheets, Slides, and Forms. And it has to do with the dialog box that pops up when you click the Share button. Of course, the Share button is lots of people's best friend. I know it is one of mine. And whenever you click on it, currently, although the old way, the not changed way yet, it has the... Um, it shows the the link that you can copy and who has access to it. And then it also has a, a people spot where it tells you uh, who has been shared on that file and gives you the opportunity to put other people's names into it. That's going to change. And so the way that they've done it is the, the new dialog box will pop up and it'll be kind of split into two. And the top part is going to be the share with people. Now, in the past, the share with people one has been kind of minimal and it's been hard to see. But now they're going to have it all detailed and expanded. So the share with people, you're going to be able to add new people and groups up at the top. But then it's going to list all of the people who are connected to this file, including the owner, and then all of the other people that have been shared on it, including their role, whether they're an editor or a commenter or a viewer or whatever. And so having all of that just expanded and ready to look at is going to be really handy. Then they've also got a Git link part at the bottom, which again, these two things aren't, you know, the, the fundamental properties of sharing haven't really changed, but the way that it's being displayed is is much easier. And so with the Git link button, it's going to show um, you know, who can access the file through the link and then give you an opportunity to copy the link or change the, the sharing settings. And so um, this is going to be really nice. It's going to especially be helpful for making sure that the right people are shared on things and allow you to change it if it needs to be changed. And that should be coming out. It says uh, rapid release domain should be getting it like ASAP. And then scheduled release domain should be the end of May, beginning of June. So keep an eye out for that. 
So I've got a little bit of time to update my resources. The <laughs> the share button, you know, it's so hard to explain to new users. And I've I've had a guide for years about Google Drive sharing pretty much all the apps. What does it do and how to share it and what does it all mean? And like Matt said, that's not really changing, but the dialogue box is different. And even when I I just updated that, y'all, I just created a video. (laughs) I just did everything. This is what you get when you work with Google stuff. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm like, it hasn't changed fundamentally, but where you click is different. And honestly, I have wondered, why hasn't this changed in a while? You know, sometimes when you're working in something for a while and you're like, this really has been the same for so many years and it has. And honestly, there are a lot of clicks it takes for me to get to where I usually like to go in that sharing setting. So I'm hoping that that sort of streamlines the process. But I also know that that public link thing shouldn't be super easy to do. We don't want people doing that by accident. But I digress. So (laughs) new sharing dialogue is coming and Casey will just have to deal with it. I have another share from the keyword blog, which is about one of Matt's favorite tools, Google My Maps. And Google My Maps, which has been around since 2007, y'all, and has had a huge increase in users over the last few months, but especially during COVID-19. And it says, with MyMaps, communities have been sharing helpful local information in rapidly changing situations, from COVID-19 testing sites and food banks to where first responders can access childcare facilities. So this is something I would have never thought about, but it's so great to know that it's being used to help us get that information and get it in a better way than just, you know, typing up directions or something that map becomes so helpful. So it can help us and our communities stay safe. You know, there are a lot of different maps in here too. They have some great examples, but map by map, people are connecting each other to resources for caring for ourselves and for others. So while we're staying healthy and informed, we're seeing everyone from members of Congress to local nonprofits use Google My Maps to visualize information like school lunch pickup spots. So if you have that going on in your school right now, this this might ease some of that if you can share a map, a customized map with your parents and your family so they know exactly where to go. Because I know those have been changing situations around me. The pickup sites, you know, have sort of consolidated and moved in different directions but they have some examples in here. For instance, the Massachusetts Child Nutrition Outreach Program is using MyMaps to help families find sites that are serving meals. It's pretty incredible when you see how many sites are doing this, too. So mm-hmm. a large, large group. There is another map here of the local Maldives Police Department that thanked a citizen for creating this helpful map that displayed local shops, pharmacies, and food businesses by zone. I kind of wish I was in the Maldives right now. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> National <laughs> Transit Agency of Ecuador using my maps to help truck drivers moving food across the country to find disinfection points, gas stations, mechanics, and other resources. So, you know, sometimes we forget what it must be like in other countries who are also in quarantine and trying to take care of their people. So this is just really interesting. And I'm, I feel like this is a great resource. If you haven't explored my maps, it's really powerful tool that you can create and customize your own maps. 
I love one of the little subheadings in this article. It says anyone can be a force for good with simple, easy to use maps. You know, if you're willing to figure out where the resources are and plot them on a map and share them with other people, it can be a huge, huge thing. So totally love that. We've got another one to share with you real quick, and this has to do with remote meetings or video calls or video conferences. And it says the science of why remote meetings don't feel the same. Now, have you noticed this before? You've either been on one before or been on one recently during all of the school closings and the quarantines and everything. Um, there's just something different about being on these video calls. In fact, I've even seen headlines recently about you know why um, video calls and video meetings and everything are so exhausting compared to regular ones. And so um, <laughs> Google in this article has shared a couple of... Um, Sci- a little bit of scientific research on why this is why it's different. And it says, for instance, number one, milliseconds matter. And it basically says that um, a delay of even as much as five tenths of a second, whether it's from laggy audio or fumbling for the unmute button, is more than double what we're used to in person. And those delays start to mess with the fundamental turn taking mechanics of our conversations. And in fact, they suggest that um, if you slow down your speaking speed a little bit to avoid unintended interruptions. Um, It says if it's a smaller group, try staying unmuted to provide little bits of verbal feedback like an mm mm-hmm or an okay so that they know that you're listening. Um, It also shares that virtual hallway conversations boost group performance. This is like the little chit-chat at the beginning or the informal small talk. It says... um, It not only feels good, but it helps you work better together. Science shows that teams who periodically share personal information perform better than teams who don't. So maybe you carve out a little bit of time at the beginning of a meeting to catch up or connect with um, colleagues afterwards or something like that. And then I'll share one more. There's, There's a total of five of them in the post, but it says visual cues make conversations smoother. And it talks about how um, important it is to have eye contact and to be able to see, you know, people's reactions and, you know, where they look and what their facial expression is and everything. And it says research shows that on video calls where social cues are harder to see, maybe it's because you've got that laggy video or because people's video is turned off because of their connection. We take 25% fewer speaking turns. And so, um, you know, being able to have that, those, those visual cues can be important. This is a really interesting article and kind of puts, puts the finger on why it is that these video meetings don't feel the same and it has some, some really good suggestions. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. I feel like there's this huge social experiment going on right now and we're all just watching it unfold and we're being experimented on (laughs) trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what's life like and what is this doing to us and how are we reacting? So really, really interesting to look at the science behind that. I just wanted to mention one more quick thing in our news and updates. Google Meet Premium is now free for everyone. So that includes personal accounts. You know, before they had added that to any G Suite accounts, including G Suite for Education. But if anyone out there has not gone Google, so to speak, at your school and you just have a personal account, you will now have access to those premium 
features of Google Meet. So just wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. If you want to access any of the news and updates that we've mentioned in today's episode, you can get those in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 116. Folks, I don't know if you've noticed this as much as Casey and I have, but there have been some really, really cool things that educators and students are doing in light of all of the school closures and the remote learning and the stay-at-home orders and everything. Because, see, that's the beautiful thing about us as educators is that we know the importance of relationship and connection, and we always seem to find a way. Even when there are restrictions and roadblocks in our way, we always still do our best to try to find a way. And there are all sorts of cool stories and cool ideas related to engaging students and their families during this remote learning time. And so Casey and I were just kind of brainstorming some of the cool things we've heard and some of the cool things that we thought were possible when it comes to all of that. And of course, Google tools can play a big part in that. And so we were just thinking about that and wanted to share some of the the cool things because really Casey there's there's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff going on isn't there There's a lot of stuff happening you know I'm I'm really proud of how creative people have been during this time you know even though we can't do our normal things face to face but I feel like teachers and students and parents are getting really creative. And actually, a lot of the ideas that I'm going to share, I learned from some of the shares during my Tech, tech Coach Collaborative meeting, just you know, getting together, meeting online, but doing other things, even when you're face-to-face, and doing it when it's not even the purpose of learning. Like, okay, we've, we've got that piece in place, but there's some missing links, so to speak, right? There's some missing pieces (laughs) of that connection and being able to engage and have fun. You know, I feel like these are those water cooler moments for adults. These are those hallway conversations that you mentioned earlier. And these are those off topic conversations in, in schools, in the classroom, in the teacher's lounge. And really, we're talking about these types of engaging activities that happen between teachers and students or teachers to families or even just, you know, teachers to teachers, you know, you can name it. And I think almost everything we have to share is going to fit inside that. So I want to kick things off with the coffee talk here, y'all. And I cannot do a Jersey (laughs) accent. So, um, but as soon as I wrote it, I had to go grab a GIF of Mike Myers doing coffee talk on (laughs) SNL. I can only only do one accent. It's (laughs) it's the one that I was born with. So um, yes, the Linda Richmond, shout out to the character. I want the nails right now. But the idea, I'm seeing this pop up in a lot of places and a lot of teachers are just connecting in the morning like hey let's just you know have our coffee together let's just see and just have that kind of water cooler conversation what's happening are you doing okay you know it's those check-ins but it's also like what's happening in life how are your kids how are your family what's going on and having those informal meetings over coffee in the morning i know a lot of schools are offering this just as that check-in. And for teachers who kind of 
are stuck with some of the new technology they're having to use. They may have questions, getting those answers, but also getting that social connection in this. I think that's such a cool idea. Casey and I were just talking before we came on air that we we had a lot of chit chat before we started our our recording today. And it's like, we just need that connection, you know, from other people who do what we do, or, you know, if you're home with kids all day long, and you just want some adult conversation like this can, this can be, you know, a, a really big deal. I wanted to share an idea that I heard from um, my friend, uh, Rachel Marker, who is teaching, I think it's sixth grade this year in Montana. And she's been doing a bunch of videos with her students, you know, live synchronous videos like Google Meet. She's been doing some recorded stuff with um, tools like Flipgrid. And one of the things that she shared was that she was trying to, to do whatever she could to encourage kids to bring their family and their pets into what they were doing. And see, I think someone could look at that on the outside and think, oh, that's just a little silly thing. But I think it's kind of important. Um what it also does is it helps us to see the way that life looks for everybody else in our class. And if you want to understand people at a deeper level, then understanding their family and understanding their surroundings whenever they're at home can go a long way. And so, you know, finding ways to bring the family, bring the pets in, A, it's a lot of fun, but B, it also shows, you know, kind of what home life looks like. Um, this reminds me of a part of the book, um, Culturally Responsive Teaching in the Brain, that I read uh, by Zaretta Hammond. And she talks about how bringing in the culture and the traditions and even the day-to-day of your own home life can be a good culturally responsive teaching practice because then all of a sudden students are able to share how they do different things at home, what's important to them. And then they start to see, A, they get to see each other's cultures and traditions and day-to-day, which may be different from their own. But B, whenever a student sees someone whose uh, home life looks similar to their own, it triggers what I think what she called the um, reticular activating system or something like that. It basically is a part of the brain that makes you go, oh, I've seen one of those before. And it gets your attention. And it's this this great attention-getting mechanism. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's there's some science behind this. And there's also some common sense behind just bringing families and pets and, you know, all of that stuff into what you're doing in the class, especially at this time. Definitely. And I feel like most people are at a place where they understand what's happening at home and if they've been able to connect with those kids. But That's, you know, keeping the idea of what students are sharing and making sure we're not leaving anyone out. You want to make sure that, you know, this is appropriate. If you're talking about sharing a pet, you know, if a student recently lost a pet or is not comfortable sharing what their home looks like. So we definitely want to be sensitive to those issues. But there are some really fun things that are happening Another idea that I have that was actually shared with me from my little eight-year-old cousin, and by the way, she's in an upcoming episode of the Shake Up Learning Show, Charlotte, and Charlotte is experiencing something called Friendship Fridays, and they just started it when I talked to her, but every Friday, they get to jump on a Zoom call, and it's just for saying hello to your friends. 
you know, the teacher might facilitate the conversation more meaningfully, but she really, really like got excited when she started telling me about this. So she's in third grade. She misses her friends, but just letting them see each other, you know, they're not all connecting every single day for live lessons. And most most experiences are not, you know, replicating that in every single day. But just knowing she's got that Friday, that Friendship Friday to look forward to, I thought was pretty special. And just hearing how excited she got. And they, um, my my cousin, her dad was telling me how much laughing was going on when the kids were on there and the little side conversations and, you know, just having that experience. And you know what? We got to laugh right now. We got to have that humor to lighten the mood and lighten all the pressure that's going on. The other thing that I thought kind of goes along with this, but um, one of the tech coaches mentioned to me is called Snack and Chat. So they're jumping online at a certain time to eat some snacks in front of each other, talk about what they're, you know, their snacks that they're eating and just to, just to chit chat. It's not about the lesson. It's not about, you know, uh, an assignment or anything else. And it's completely optional, but I like that they called it snack and chat. And I thought that that's a fun way to get kids engaging in just that friendly conversation that they're missing so much. Of course, think some of us adults may be having some snack and chats as well and doing that even um, in in the later hours of the day to connect with our friends and our teacher friends as well. You know, another one that I think is is pretty cool, forgive me if I've mentioned this a little bit in a previous episode, you know, I think another way to engage with uh, students is to encourage them to look into things that they're passionate about and take some of this time that they've got, if they've got the time available to um, use it meaningfully and um, use it to do something that they're excited about or something that they're passionate about. So you hear about passion projects a lot with, um, you know, something like genius hour where we've tried to build into the school day, some time for students to recognize something that they're passionate about and then do something meaningful with it. You know, there's, there's just something about, passion about finding something that we're excited about, something that really drives us and then doing something with it. And then you get into one of those video calls with the class and you start to share what you've been doing. So let's say one of these passion projects, um, you know, has to do with like animals or pets or something, or if, um, you know, they're learning about Minecraft or how to play an instrument or something. And then you get on and you start to talk about this thing that you're passionate about and what you've been learning about it. And all of a sudden, you know, passion is contagious. And so, you know, other students might look at that and go, oh, wow, that's really cool. I kind of want to try that out myself. And then it sort of starts to transform things where, you know, I know, especially in my household, we'll do... um my, my kids will do e-learning activities in the morning for a few hours. And then after that, it's like a struggle to try to find meaningful ways to use the rest of the day. And so especially for those students that are in that boat where they're trying to find ways to make the most of their time, you know, maybe the stuff that we suggest to them, the stuff that we offer them to do isn't so much like, you know, obligatory learning activities, but it's more like 
pursuing your passions. Our school district where my kids go to school, they've decided that their grades for this last grading period, I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, their grades for the last grading period can't be worse than the grades for the previous grading period. So your grades basically can't go down during school closures. And that's given a lot of students a reason to say, no, I'm good with that third nine weeks grade. I'm just going to be done. And I think this may be a little bit of an antidote to that, where if we can encourage them to do some things that they're passionate about, give them some, you know, good quality use of all of that extra time. um, That's one of those ways that we can engage kids in learning, but really just maybe even spark them to do something that they're passionate about that they might not otherwise. Yeah. And even though we may not get the equity that we need and being able to get every student to participate in some of these activities, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to tap into things like passion, to tap into the things that we all say we don't have time for because we've got to teach to the test. (laughs) So the test is gone, y'all. What are we going to do now? So this is our opportunity to show that learning can take place and it doesn't have to just be about this test, that we can prepare kids for the future and find out what they're actually interested in before they leave our doors. So I love that idea. I'm going to continue with the food theme because I've seen a lot of things going on that involve food. And uh, I guess recently was National Picnic Day. I think that's already passed, but One campus was trying to replicate a picnic and they were going to to have their Zoom call picnic to picnic, you know, outside. And unfortunately, where it actually started raining. So the picnics got moved inside. But having those meetings that involve, you know, we are a socially food-driven culture. I feel like sometimes that so many gatherings involve us getting together and eating or having potlucks. So I've seen the virtual potluck. My neighborhood is doing a recipe exchange and just getting online, talking about what you're eating. I feel like too, there's some really special pandemic recipes that are going on with people getting creative when you can't get certain ingredients. So Food has been sort of one of those mainstays, but kids, you know, are can participate in this too. And in fact, you know, there's probably a lot of kids learning to cook at home right now while they're they're mm-hmm. stuck at home. So food can drive some of these things. We don't have time to go through everything on our list. We have a lot more to share. I really, really wanted to make sure that I shared this idea though, because I am feeling so much heartbreak for our seniors, um, our high school seniors, I mean that they're missing out on so many milestones during their senior year. And one campus that I heard from actually had a program for students who were not seniors, but, you know, even in the younger grades could adopt a senior, mail them little gifts, contact them, send them a video, do anything to kind of perk them up and let them know that we still see the how special this year is for you. And even though you don't get to end it the way you thought you were going to end it and you're missing out on things like prom, you know, I thought that was a really, really cute idea to adopt a, a senior high school student. That is, that's, that's so cool. This is obviously, you know, unprecedented in, in many ways this time that we're living in, but it definitely is for those seniors and your, your heart's got to break for, for them, um, for some of the things that they've got to miss. So, 
Uh, Casey and I have brainstormed a huge list of a bunch of stuff that we didn't even get to on the show here. And so if you want to check any of that stuff out, we've got probably a couple dozen different things here on the show notes. So do head over to our show notes to check out even more ideas at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 116. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. Okay, Matt, let's jump into the mailbag. We got some interesting stuff from our listeners. First up is Tracy Drentel from North Carolina. And she says, hi, Casey, I just listened to episode 114, where the teacher was having trouble moving her Google Classroom assignments up or down. And she said she didn't have the three dots. And my first inclination was maybe there was some kind of glitch. I hadn't seen that before. But Tracy mentioned she could have been on the stream page instead of the classwork page. And I totally didn't even think about that. And you're not going to have that option when you're in the stream. The stream is just like a notification list and for announcements. So if you're trying to move those assignments around, you definitely need to be doing that in the classwork tab. But um, apparently Tracy had experienced this too, and she tried to do it. So she figured it out the hard way. So thanks for that reminder, Tracy. Yep, that's a good one. I'm glad you thought of that. And our other one in the mailbag today comes from Pat Goolsby from Georgia. And just like Tracy, Pat had listened to a previous episode. This one was 115, our last episode, where we were talking about uh, using Google Meet links in Classroom. And you've got that special link in Classroom. And someone was having trouble getting that link into a calendar event. And Pat's got a pretty good, pretty detailed explanation of how to do that in a short amount of time. It's a good message. Go ahead and take it, Pat. Hi, Matt and Casey. My name is Pat Goolsby, and I'm the media specialist for Evans Elementary in Evans, Georgia. I love your show, by the way. Just had to fit that in. I was listening to episode 115 and wanted to respond to the person that called in and asked about Google Meet links in Google Classroom and using their calendar. I had a similar situation and had to schedule Google Meet sessions with some of my students for our nightly news show. And this is how I got around that when scheduling in Google Calendar. In Calendar, you have the ability to edit the Google Meet link. So all you have to do is copy your link from Google Classroom and then click on the little pencil right there by the Google Meet link and edit it and paste your Google Classroom Meet link into that slot. Then if you want to reuse that same post, you can just duplicate the event and change the date and you'll already automatically have your Google Classroom Meet link in your calendar event. Hope that helps. Thanks. Yep, there you go. Step by step, Pat's got it got it lined out there. So if you want to change that uh, link to Google Meet, in your uh, Google Calendar item, that's that's probably the best way to do it. And um, I know as Casey was listening to me talking about Google Meet links, was anybody else thinking about this? Of course, with Casey and I, we hear Google Meet and we hear <laughs> M-E-A-T. It's like we can't unhear it. And so when you hear Google Meet links, earlier Casey was saying off, off air, she was like, it sounds like sausage links. Is this anybody else? Are you guys hearing sausage links? Casey, I know you were, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Google Meet is not for vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So if you want to check out any of the resources, of course, from, from this episode, you can head to our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 116. We have just a couple of blog posts to share with you that you might want to check out as we wrap up the show. And the first one I wanted to share with you isn't actually a blog post. It's an online course and it's a free one. So I put together a free online course called Remote Learning 101. And this is where I put together about 14 different modules of different things that you might want to think about when it comes to remote learning. Um, each one's got video content. I think there's more than there's, there's something like two and a half hours of video content available in this course. You've got downloadable planning guides where you can think through your strategy for remote learning. We've got links to tutorials and to blog posts and to all sorts of other resources. And so um, there's a link to that in the show notes. You can also find it by going to my uh, Teachable page at ditch.teachable.com. That's an easy place for you to go find it to get that Remote Learning 101 free online course. On the Ditch That Textbook blog, there's also an updated post about using Pear Deck. I know lots of teachers are using Pear Deck to do interactive slides with their students during remote learning. And so there are 20 ways to use Pear Deck there. Um, and there's also a link to a webinar on how to use student pace mode in Pear Deck. So if you're looking for a way to have students do interactive slides from home, it's a really, really good option. And then, of course, I've got a link to the Ditch That Textbook e-learning resources page where we've got lots and lots of links to different posts and different templates you can download and video tutorials, all sorts of good stuff. That looks awesome, Matt. So I'm going to have to check that course out for sure. I have a few new things to share. One is I did make a new tic-tac-toe choice board template in Google Slides. And I did this for a few different reasons. One, to illustrate how we can make it interactive and linking slide to slide in Google Slides, but also because when you're teaching remotely, you tend to need to give more context and directions. And if you're doing a tic-tac-toe you can't fit all that much into a little square. So I'm seeing people who've been stretching their squares and using tiny little fonts. And so I thought, why not show this? So this way you can link the directions from each square in the tic-tac-toe to more information about that assignment. So whichever one they select, they can click on that little directions button and get that. Maybe they get a rubric, they get other links and things like that. So you're not limited just to your tiny little square and so that's in Google Slides, and you can get that link uh, from the ShakeUp Learning blog. I also have a couple of new resources for leaders. I just did a podcast called Leading Through Crisis and Beyond. And it's for teachers, teachers are the lead learners in their classroom, but also for educational leaders. We have faced something, of course, that has unprecedented. And I just kind of go through where I see where we've where we've come through this hard time, where we're going and kind of, you know, what's going to be the new normal and how are we going to maximize the momentum that we've seen from the technology use and everything else? How do we come back from this? And so that's a little bit of a precursor into a, a webinar that by the time this episode airs, I will have done the live webinar, but you can access the recording. And it is G Suite for School Leaders Leading the New Normal.
normal with a framework for meaningful digital learning. So how we can bounce back from this and get a framework in place to give us the foundation to build from where we are. So that, and of course, tons of other remote learning resources you will find on shakeuplearning.com and all of the links to my posts and Matt posts in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 116. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. We hope these tips and resources are helping you survive this. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have more tips, tricks, or ideas to share with our audience, we would love it if you would go to googleteacherpodcast.com, leave us a speak pipe message. You'll notice we are particularly fond of those, but we want to hear what's going on because we're learning from you as well. And if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, we would love it if you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when new episodes come out every Monday. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. Stay stay safe, stay well, and we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G Suite power and may the Googles be with you. That includes premium Google Meets for everyone. Get your pork chops and your T-bone steaks and your New York strips all for free with Google. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.